0: Presented by the Hockey Shop, source for sports, Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast, a historic edition. As we have uh, news to tell you about on two fronts. One that hits very close to home, and the other one uh, revolves around a future Hall of Famer who does something and accomplishes a milestone in one of the greatest fashions possible. I'm Darren Millard, along with the co-founder of In Magazine. Here is uh, Kevin Woodley. David Hutchison is not with us tonight for a very good reason. And let's start there. Congratulations to Papa Hutch, Little Hutch, and the entire family.
1: Drafted 50th overall into the WHL by the Vancouver Giants. Like, the synergies here are so cool. Like, just so happy for Maddie, so happy for David, so happy for his family. But also selfishly a little bit happy because he's going to play. Like, their barn is 20 minutes away from my house. So outside the fact that I'm going to have Papa Hutch asking to crash down on the couch, um, this is a very positive development. And I'm just kidding, Hutch. You're welcome to crash anytime. Uh, It's this exciting times. And so they're having a uh, much-deserved family celebration this evening while we record the podcast. And, yeah, like, I mean, from watching those two father-son goaltending tandem out at, like, Angelo Maggio's rink with Maddie and, like, a little sort of... Montreal Canadian sweater and and CCM gear, at like age six testing sort of gear. Like some of these pictures, he barely comes up to Hutch's waist. And we know how small Hutch is. And now six foot two and drafted into the WHL. So just massive congratulations to two of them. And, and to everyone who was drafted and to everyone who wasn't drafted, the road is not over. But uh, obviously we're going to single this one out because it's special. It, it hits home for us here at Ingold Magazine. And because we've got to see this path for, for Matthew uh, over the last, you know, nine ten years, and it's exciting. that We're gonna get to see it continue just down the road with the Vancouver Giants.
0: Maddie is uh, often mentioned on Ingle Radio, the podcast uh, presented by Source for Sports uh, Surrey and the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com. dot uh, But this this kind of takes it into I don't want to call it le- legitimate stratosphere, but it, it's a it's a significant step. What, what can you tell us about Maddie's game and where he is?
1: I had a scout that was looking at at him and among other goaltenders tell me that he was the most technically sound goalie on their draft list for the year. So he's six foot two. So he got his mom's size, not his dad's. Thank God for that. Um, You know, he's Maddie's a kid who just, I don't know, he loves the game. And and it's ironic to me that the scout identified him as being so technically sound because to me and in some of the highlights I've seen, and I got to be honest, I haven't seen him that much, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. this is a rudimentary report. I love that he's willing to go outside the box and battle. And there's an instinctiveness that when you hear his dad sort of share some of the details of how he sees the game, um, there's an innate ability and an instinct there that goes beyond the technical stuff that is so easy to identify and just sort of adds another layer to it. I think he's just a kid that loves the game. You know, he loves the position. He still plays other sports, right? He played baseball last summer, golfs. Um, so just, I, just, I love the approach that the two of them have taken throughout this. I think all the opportunities and he's had opportunities to work with lots of different goalie coaches over the years, probably, you know, through in part due to in goal. But you know, the one thing that, that jumps out to me is it always seems to be him that's driving that bus and wanting the opportunities as opposed to this isn't, this isn't the crazy hockey parent making his kid do all these things. This, this has been driven a hundred percent by Matthew because of that genuine passion I talked about for the position. He
0: just seems to yeah, love it. And love. And a l- thing that I like the most is the smiles. He's he's uh, always seems to be having a, a smile on his face. Uh, congratulations to Matthew Hutchison, drafted into the Western Hockey League by the Vancouver Giants. Any chance the, the Woodley family steps up and is his billet? Are you too far away?
1: Oh, we're really close. We're really close. We're just not really a uh, billet type family, but we'll, we'll have to have that discussion <laughs> I might have to have that discussion with the better half before we have it over the air publicly here at Ingle Radio. Radio. Uh,
0: because there was, there was, uh, we were keeping track of Brandon and I thought my dad might be uh, the billet uh, for a little hutch if he ended up all, all the way out there. But uh, close to home. We do have a spare bed. The problem is I end up getting
1: sent down right. to it most, most of, the, most of the, <laughs> the night. So unless Maddie's into cuddling or the couch, we we'd have, might have an issue there.
0: Uh congratulations uh, also going out to Marc-André Fleury who becomes the third goaltender in NHL history to reach the 500 win mark and it's historic and it's something that he was very passionate about uh, achieving. And it was one of those a number of years ago uh milestones that he had circled and he does it in Montreal with a perfect performance uh, over the Canadiens and he gets serenaded by the crowd. What a cool moment.
1: Yeah and uh just his hometown or like his home province in Montreal, and the fans recognizing the moment and a shutout and a chance because it was a two nothing game to enjoy it as opposed to a one nothing nail biter, and for the crowd to separate themselves from cheering for the Habs for a moment and recognize this homegrown icon as reaching a milestone like that. Uh, I don't know that it could have gotten much cooler for him, uh, and you know it's funny. We talk often about the greats, and the one thing that that comes to mind is how they're constantly willing to and actively seeking out ways to improve their game. And so this was shutout number 69 for Marc-Andre Fleury. He had his 68th here in Vancouver against the Canucks just a couple of weeks ago and um, managed to talk to him a little bit after that. Because during his post-game presser, he talked, somebody asked him, one of the local beat reporters was doing a story clearly on kevin Lank- lankanen and he asked him like hey like you got some great quotes about what a great kid he is but then you just asked him at the end like hey anything you've learned from him and, and i think as you hear that question you're thinking in your mind oh, come on like mark andre Fleury's about to get win number 500 what's he learning from kevin lankanen but he's he's like no no yeah there's a couple things and he talked about post play and he goes i i I don't want to bore you guys with the details and I'm literally sitting in the back of this sort of sc- the scrums it's no longer a scrum right you're in this Zoom room when the teams are on yeah. the road I'm in this Zoom room and it was kind of the last question and he was wrapping up and I don't want to go into details and I'm like no 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 Mark Mark like, flower <laughs> details details and so he actually talked a little bit about it and then uh when he wrapped up in there me and him stepped out in the hallway and had a longer chat and so to to in a nutshell Flowers gone back to an overlap on sharp angle plays. He's squaring up in a butterfly on them rather than using RVH. He f- and he explained to me how he f- feels like in RVH, he's not getting that top corner uh, over the shoulder on the short side sealed. Um, and when he uses a traditional VH, he just feels like there's a hole between his blocker and his arm with the way the stick is that he that he tends to give up goals on. So in discussions with Kevin Lankanen and and with uh, Jimmy Waite, the goaltending coach, he's started to use and has gone back to an overlap. And so it's not not like it's a revolutionary new technique or anything, but it's just another example of a guy willing to try something new because it's working for the guy he's playing with, get comfortable with it and put it into his game, make an adjustment as he's on his way to the Hall of Fame, still willing and still wanting to find ways to get better. And, you know, when I think of the guys like Luongo uh, and the way his game constantly evolved, like to me, that's the consistent, constant, uh, amongst them all is that desire and willingness to constantly improve in a position that's always evolving and so kudos to flower and not just for reaching the milestone but when you hear his approach and we know all about the smiles and his love for it like he's not done yet right on the right if if he, you know the right team and the body holds up patrick was next at 551 and i fully expect him to make a charge at that
0: uh, all-time record is uh Martin Brodeurs, and uh, that is uh, almost uh, untouchable at 691. It will take something special by uh, somebody, uh, because it's not going to be, with all due respect, uh, to uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, unless, like, something goofy happened, but... Uh, Plays till uh, he's 40, just,
1: 41, 50, 40, 42, yeah. maybe? I, hey, man, man, he doesn't... I'm telling you, like, you've seen him. He doesn't look like he's mm-hmm. 37 years old.
0: Well, if you're going to get to 691... And that's that's almost that's 200 wins, 191 you need wins. Five more
1: years at 40 wins. You need to be on a great team for five more years. Yeah, do, yeah, yeah, 42.
0: You're probably. I right. love the guy. I love Marc Andre. I, I do. Uh, but uh, I'm pretty comfortable in my my assessment that he's not going to get there. Hold
1: on. Phone's ringing here at the Ingol Office offices. Is that Alan Walsh? Yeah, How exactly.
0: dare. <laughs> uh. Oh, Alan and I have uh, have had conversations before. Uh, he, he he can reach me directly. He's done that before too. <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, swing over to, and we want to get it to a couple of other stories uh, that are percolating around the goaltending world. Uh, but do want to mention that uh, Connor uh will be our feature interview, brought to you by Sens Arena. Uh, he's a Vancouver Island guy. Uh, he's playing over in Finland. A really cool journey. Uh, that's coming up, uh, but Trisha, first uh, a little mention as we creep up uh, towards Christmas from our friends over at uh, Source for Sports Story, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com.
1: Yeah, don't forget, um, make sure you check on the website before you order. They've got all kinds of gift ideas. We had the gear segment last week. It's online on our YouTube channel. You can find it on on all our social media. Uh, looking at sort of a t- you know a nice little top 10, quick 10 gift items uh, that you can get from Cam. Again, shipping has been a bit of a challenge at times here in the lower mainland because of the flooding that sort of cut off Vancouver from the rest of the world. But they've found ways for the most part to get it out. Just make sure you double check before you order that you're going to get it and get it in time under the tree. And so no better place to get your Christmas gift uh, than at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. You name it, whether it's a $20 accessory, uh, repair work for your mask, um, a goalie block to help keep a stinger away from the finger a stick or a complete set of pads and gloves they've got you covered whether it's brand new and the latest or something that's a couple years older and on sale whether it's for you or the goalie in your life make sure you check out the hockey shop for all your gift ideas and that includes undergarments Darren we're going to get to the gear segment right now this week and this is an item that ships quite easily it's an item that I think Darren Millard would have on his wish list mm-hmm. uh, We've got all kinds of different things here. Not just the padded stuff that we've talked about in the past, but Cam went through the whole thing. Core shorts, um, stuff that's not padded, just designed to take heat away from you. Just trying to make sure you're well equipped. We've all gotten Christmas socks, right? Like, you know, sometimes we get the pajamas, like that's a stock gift. If you've got a goalie in your life and you're looking for a gift item and like forget, just forget the pajamas, get them a proper set of goalie undergarments. Cam's going to walk us through a few of the best options this week on the gear segment. Live from the hockey shop, Source for Sports. Check it out at thehockeyshop.com. Here's Cam. Welcome back to the hockey shop, Source for Sports. We're down here in Goalie Utopia, surrounded by five walls, four walls. I mean, hey, you're down here just as much as me now. Counting's an issue. <laughs> Good news for me is I don't have to worry about counting any more than higher than two or three on most nights. Unlike you, when you're playing hockey, you got to get up to the double digits. Count all the goals against. Cam, this looks like your room. This is what my mom or your mom tells me your bedroom looks like all the time. And yes, I know you're now married. Um, just clothes everywhere. So what, what, What? like these are clothes, but with padding. So I feel like I should put this on. Some with, some with I need out. to hit the gym, so. Maybe we could just puff myself up a little bit. We got padded shirts, we got padded pants, we got goalie undergarments. Cam, fill me in, what's going on here? And we also got some regular stuff
2: and some um, other different options that are well worth that aren't necessarily goalie specific. So let's start with some of the tops. Everybody knows their standard dry fit Under Armour top. Now, for those of you that like to keep it like more minimalist, but still obviously regular temperature, which is extremely important as you're playing, Obviously, something we carry quite a lot of. We do have one's with different grip on them. This actually, in my opinion, does come in handy. I hate the feeling of my shoulders, or not my shoulders, but my elbows slipping and moving inside uh, my chest protector. So this does give you a little bit of grip on that side. Some guys aren't going to like it. Some guys are. This is why they have preferences. Me personally, I like a little bit of grip there because I like it holding steady and in place. So I personally actually quite like these with the grip on them. Again, another option, one more non goalie specific one that I like to cover is actually these Bauer Turtelike ones with the B&Q neck guard in the upper portion. So that's cut proof? That is cut proof. So why this is important is for myself, I wear an uncertified neck guard. So a non bq neck guard, but I still want the skate protection. So I actually personally do wear one of these. This gives me that skate cut, but I also still get a standard neck guard because I don't like that feeling of something really tight choking me around my neck. So um, I wear this a little bit loose, I wear my neck guard even looser, but I still
1: have all that skate protection. Yeah. Now, with that underneath, do you also wear a padded shirt on top of it or have you got enough natural padding? Me personally, I do not. Folks, he didn't even see that. He didn't even, did he, right over his I, head I with know. that
2: shot. No, I just gloss right over your stupid jokes now.
1: Okay, so for those of us who do like a little padding, uh, oh, oh, we got one more before. Are you no, going to no, show no, the no. court? Okay, we're into the padded we're shirts now. We're still in the padded shirts you know, What have I got here? I got the CCM model. Just looks like a lot of traditional foam, like sort of standard foams, but laid up in a way that's going to puff me out a little bit and give me a little nice rib protection, some chest area, protection, shoulder, ribs, upper breastplate. Um,
2: if your chest is starting to wear a little bit thin, uh, a little bit older, or you are looking for a little bit of a beef up, we've actually got three options for you. Kevin's holding the CCM. I have the Vaughn SLR padded. Obviously, a bit of a different shape to each one. This
1: oh, is one more with the, the v Vaughn Velocity. This one, these ones I find, like, again, much like a CCM. This is just a traditional foam. Like, it's not, you know, it's not, we'll see in the Bowers later, they've got a proprietary foam in there. But when I see a lot of guys wearing this in the NHL, what I notice is they, like, this is not just an added layer of protection. This is an added layer of bulk. Like, it sort of makes your chest, like, it, it fits... And sort of sits loose and big. And I would imagine would make your chest protector sort of sit that much higher and away from you, which does add protection on its own because you're introducing that sort of extra layer of air. The air gap is a real thing. It's important if we shrink wrap goalie's chest protectors, you're gonna feel more shots. And at a time when I see the NHL trying to make those tighter and tighter. I see a lot of guys using something like this to sort of give themselves that extra cushion.
2: Exactly. Uh, You know what? And again, you called it out there is more so a different aspect of looking at it. Again, I'm strictly looking at a more of a protection base. But yeah, if you're looking to gain a little bit of advantage, puff up that chest, puff up that shoulders a little bit more. Hey, here's a great option. One quick note with the Vaughn V9. All of those pads are removable and you can replace them, change them. Move them around. Double beef up an area if you really wanted to. That's something specific to just that protection piece, um,
1: not something on the SLR, not something on the other ones. And a good look at the foam inside, sort of you just go. you know, um, traditional foams. Like it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna provide you with a layer of protection. Uh, a little more breathable because it's it, you know, it's got it's holy. It's <laughs> I bless you. Christmas one time. More. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna leave that one for Cam to put back together later. Perfect. I, I did. Sorry, I said three, but we do have four. I kind of figure we're saving the best for last. This is my personal bias. Um, I well, like the. You got one of those. That's I, what you I, mean. I do. I got the pants as well. I like the pour on. I just find that from a protection standpoint, having that impact absorbing foam, same type of thing, same type of material you'll find in a lot of your more expensive higher end cell phone cases. It's just another layer of protection. Um, not as much of did it. you just compare yourself to a high end cell phone case? He's
2: that padded up and protected, folks. Look for Kevin to protect your iPhone.
1: So anyways, as I was saying, <laughs> um, maybe not as much padding as some of the other models. Certainly not as much as the, the Vaughn, uh, not as much as the CCM in terms of the areas. I would love to see a little more sort of in the front underneath that throat, uh, but this is the one I trust. It's got nice protection on the ribs and just just feel like, it just feel a lot safer in this thing.
2: Here's where minimalism still actually helps and works well. Uh, in this situation, again, if you're not looking for that extra bulk, but you still want that protection stamp piece, do will go for than that Bauer Elite Padded shirt. Pants. Again, as I said before, you do have your still standard Under Armour one if you do want to keep it, you know, minimalist. However, there are things that definitely key into the goalie that aren't necessarily goalie specific. I've picked up these Bauer Core shorts, uh, well, Core pants. The technology was something you actually saw in Under Armour and then as an independent brand, and now Bowers brought them on um, and brought them into their protective or undergear lineup. Tight compression, especially focused on the groin area in particular, uh, really providing some extra support as you're moving around. This is very key, especially for goalies. You see a lot of those groin injuries and things like that by hyperextension. Having that tight wraparound compression really helps to cradle that muscle and help to stop it from hyperextending and creating those injuries.
1: I I didn't realize that Bauer had invested in that technology. I got to be honest, I still have an original pair of core shorts when it was just the core shorts brand, even before Under Armour had their version of it or purchased the rights to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And just makes, I won't go on the ice without it, makes an incredible amount of difference. Just sort of, obviously training and doing your work is the most important thing, but it's just, it's like an insurance policy against groin injuries. Just that extra layer of sort of keeping everything compact and intact. Now, obviously you can extend yourself and still stretch out, and put yourself in vulnerable positions. This just kind of sort of gives you a little extra help keeping things together. And I have a little trouble as, as Hutch has demonstrated with photos. This is talking from experience
2: from the both of us. Keeping, keeping things more together. More so coming from the heart 100% as it normally is. But if you do have questions on that, you feel free to give me a call, 604-589-8299. And we can talk about what
1: core shorts are going to be the best for you. They do have shorts as well if you don't want the full, because I, sh- I just wear the shorts and then also wear these bad boys over top of the shorts because i like again the pour on uh, like the way they've done this uh, around the knees uh, wraps around and underneath just an added layer of protection makes you a little taller when you're in your butterfly but just sort of cushions that blow as you drop impact to the as ice. you're dropping yes
2: especially yeah. some of the hard cap knee pads it's a nice addition
1: yeah and again just you know it's there's technology in there this isn't just a layer of of foam cut it's it's got a, so, some real impact absorbing technology that will help save your knees and maybe even your hips a little bit. And one last one. Wait, when, 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 when Eric. It is a tough one to say. That's why I left it for you, Cam.
2: So this is one that comes all the way down into um, like use sizing which is some of the ones, for example, we don't unfortunately see um, in the Vaughn. I know I'm pointing at the Bauer because the Bauer actually does have junior sizes for the pants. Neat thing about these guys, Kevlar protection for the back of those calves um this is something that comes and goes it really depends on injuries um that get highlighted within um hockey media um i've seen some pretty gruesome ones over the past play him
1: in the media (laughs) hey unbelievable oh that'll happen right i didn't say it was fake it's not fake news people get cuts they need cut protection and one which is
2: why this product exists and why there is that kevlar protection for the back of your calf another quick call out for these guys as well would be the back padding. So this is going all around the back of your leg and behind your knee.
1: Areas that are left vulnerable by most, most of the padding we have as goaltenders is in front of us. So you can, you can take a stick, you can take a whack, that's a little extra protection. It,
2: uh, it also lines up too with more, so where your straps are lining up on your pad. So it gives you a little bit of extra cushion in between. So you're not having
1: much of that irritation from the strap grabbing into the back of your leg. All right, it's also got a, with the other part that we really liked about this. We've got a full review on these at ingoldmag.com. Uh, this is more than just a branding label. Uh, it's much like those um, parts on the uh, Under Armour shirt that sort of grip mm-hmm. uh, to your chest protector. This grips around your, your knee pads and just helps keep them in place. And it may seem like a small thing, but in our testing, uh, our reviewers really liked it and felt it did a really good job. Perfect Christmas gifts. You still have some time. Sizing charts on the website at thehockeyshop.com if you're not sure what size the goalie in your life needs. Perfect stocking stuffer or an extra item under the tree for the goalie in your life, or frankly, to be honest, you might just have to buy some more myself. Um, don't forget, these Bauer ones can be tough to find. Cam's got them here at the hockey shop and thehockeyshop.com. Make sure you check them out and order early so you can have it under the tree in time. Quick note
2: for those out of towners that will be uh, looking to have product shipped, please keep an idea on our website for the most up to date shipping information and notifications. Um, obviously within Vancouver. um, We
1: have a major flood. It's a little tougher to get stuff out of here right now.
2: It's been a little wet around here, so please keep an eye on those shipping notifications. They'll give you an idea of what we're looking at for wait times and um, if we can make it under the tree or not. So please get after it as soon as possible or give us a call to double check on those timelines. And the number again? 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790.
1: All right, Cam. Just like your mom tells you, clean up the mess. Oh. Yeah.
0: I, I've never used the padded uh, undergarment. I, I, I got it I got yeah, eventually. We did. Right got down to, get we one.
1: got Especially the power one. I'm big fan. No, and the other ones are, you know what? Cam informed us there. I didn't realize that the Vaughn shirts, which you see quite a bit of in the National Hockey League, can actually, they sort of have these big blocks of padding. And it's just, you know, a typical foam. It's not like the Bauer one I like because I I believe in that pour on just like CCM and the D3O. I believe in that the protection offered by that sort of high tech padding. But you can take them out because if you find it too bulky in an area, you can actually remove the padding on the Vaughn one. They're sort of like hexagons. You can just pull them out in the back. And I didn't realize that. So if you if you found maybe it looked too bulky, you can almost customize it. So I thought that was pretty cool. And so I'm learning something from Cam, which is. You know, frankly, pretty rare. Just kidding,
0: Cam. Um, but also uh, another piece of history. We have Flower, we have Little Hutch, and we have Learning from Cam. That's
1: right. That's right. And the other one is uh, Core Shorts. Have you ever used Core Shorts? I no. didn't. Oh, so I didn't realize that Bauer had it as well, and they built it into a set of pants. So basically, it's like a, it's got like elastic, an elastic sort of X sort of front area, sort of crossing the groin across the front. And it just kind of pulls everything in tight. Um, and I mean, I'm an old man playing beer league, but I went to them about 15 years ago, like three years into playing, learning to play I guess 48 doing the math. Yeah. We're getting up there towards 15 years, like three years in, I always used to have troubles with groins. And in addition to Maria mountain, getting me on a better training path so that I wouldn't constantly pop groins. I wear core shorts all the time and I just find it oh. sort of, I just, you know, maybe it's uh maybe it's a, it's a crutch for me at this point, but it feels like I almost never have problems. I have all kinds of other problems, like stopping the pot, but groin <laughs> problems are, have actually been pretty rare since I switched to the core shorts. So really cool to see that Bauer's actually invested, like has bought in and has that patent and works it into some of their undergarments as well.
0: So one reason why I've resisted on the padded shirt uh, is because I'm worried like after washing it 20 times, 30 times, does it break down? Does it come out? Like that, that, that's... The, the kind of thing that I well I think about
1: well so okay so for the Bauer one I had my last set and it's gotten better with time in terms of the you know washing care instructions and how durable it is my last one lasted about I want to say over three years before oh wow the, oh, that's the, little, good. the little pour on pads started to sort of come apart in sections the key though is like if you want it to last with that one is you wash it inside out so the padding's all on the inside in cold Ooh, water okay. and then you hang dry it and the but the the truth and the reality is it hang dries really quickly cuz it's 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 a wicking material right these are designed to do that yeah, yeah they're designed to pull water away from you and so they dry you know in a matter of like like everyone I've forgotten to wash my gear right away and be like oh crap I got to leave for the rink in half an hour quick wash cycle and like 20 minutes later you can put it on and it's fairly dry so um yeah it's just a matter of taking care of it uh it'll it'll last you a long time if you take care of it
0: you got me sold uh, does tuka Rask wear one of those padded shirts i think he does i believe tuca does
1: and i believe he also his is customized he has actually had the the a section of the poron added to the wrist area of his chest protector yeah Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm just i was trying to remember on the fly here but yeah he's got like a section of that same poron padding sort of stitched onto the wrist area of his chest protector which is really smart frankly because not only will it dull anything in terms of impact in those areas and let's be honest that's an area that can sting sometimes but it actually would probably help you control rebounds a little bit like it would take some of that impact and absorb it as opposed to expelling it and pushing the puck away i mean the material is incredible what it can do i don't know thin layer is not going to completely kill a rebound but it's going to come it's going to kill it more than without
0: well tuca's uh ruining the ebug thing for everybody because he's just, he's, he's too good.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, it's. I laughed when I saw that he was an e-bug. He was a practice goalie, right? Like, there's a difference yeah. between an e-bug and a practice goalie. So yeah. practice goalie's okay. But I got to admit, I kind of chuckled a little bit. Like, imagine if they actually tried to pull off Tuka Rask as an e-bug. Like, yeah, here's, like, you know, no, sorry, guys. Oh, like, but he ended up playing for the other team. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm the other team and Tuka's the e-bug that night, I'm for sure asking my guy to go down so we can get him in. Go down, <laughs> And then I'm po- trying to pull something about, hey, I got his name on a contract here; he's ours.
0: Yeah, uh, one of the greatest things I saw from that uh, that posting uh, about having some fun with the e bug was uh, drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, uh, is whatever years old and and stuff, but it made it sound like he'd he'd been out of the game for a while, but uh, was just a draft uh, draft pick. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Connor Lacouve coming up, uh, and uh, he is playing in Finland right now uh, after four years of NCAA. And it's been an interesting journey for him. Uh, But before we get to that, uh, uh, on the subject of e-bugs, the St. Louis Blues are down to their fourth and fifth string goaltenders with uh, Charlie Lindgren playing goal and John Gillies being signed out of the ECHL. OK, so a couple things.
1: I, I, I'm glad we stuck with the e because we owe Kyle Connan, uh and hopefully I'm saying his last name right, a sincere apology. Remember, we joked buckets off and I made the joke about him. Ah,
0: he's oh, yeah, just, he, did the, he, he did the hot lap.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I joked about, ah, of course, you can go buckets off. He's young, right? He's single. I want to let the ladies have a look. Um, he's married. So 23 years old, but he's married. I've been corrected. He actually uh, co-hosts a podcast uh, that Vaughn does. I think it's Between Two Posts. So sincere apologies, Kyle. I'm a little behind on... We we spend so much time on our own podcast, we don't keep up with other things. So I should know him. When I looked up the name, I realized how absurd that what I said was. So embarrassment on my part. The other part, though, on this E-Buck stuff, you know, and we kind of railed on it a little bit, or at least I did, because as fun as the stories are, this was a situation where the Blues just didn't have the cap space to make a recall. Lindgren could have been there for this game. And so you've got a guy who plays beer league um, as good as he may be on the bench potentially getting into a game when you had a NHL contracted option available. And I've got some issues that. And so I started having, you know, we've seen uh, Mike McKenna has some proposals on practice goalies. Uh, One that I hadn't heard before, Billy Ranford has a really good idea on how to manage this. What's that? ECHL. Make your e-bug permanent, a third goalie permanent, but mandate you... Use a guy from your ECHL affiliate. So you got to go that far down the depth chart. So, and you have to switch back and forth on some type of rotational basis, whether it's every month between your five and your six on your depth chart, your, your ECHL goalies. So they get development time. They're getting NHL per diem. They're getting NHL travel. They're getting development time with the NHL goaltending coach, and they just go back and forth to playing in the ECHL, getting this time in the NHL. Um, you'd have to come up with some rules about maximum amounts of pro experience. so you couldn't have a team with deep pockets just hide a very established pro in the East Coast Hockey League with promises of of extra bonuses and money. You'd have to find a way to sort of structure uh, maximums into games played. Um, uh, but it's an idea that I've heard has been well received by other goaltending coaches and just a way to sort of add a goaltender to the mix for both practice and your in an e bug situation, have him around permanently. And make it sort of a development opportunity for a goaltender who otherwise wouldn't get that.
0: Couple of questions to clarify. Yes, sir. So the ECHL, so the goaltender would bounce back and forth between your ECHL affiliate and the NHL club. Yep. That's so the maybe concept. three weeks on, three weeks down the ECHL, he was three thinking weeks up.
1: Month, month here, month there. But I mean, obviously okay. those are things you'd have to to figure out.
0: Would that player be the e-bug for every home game. So he would be available for both teams. I think you, each team would have their own and they would travel with the
1: team, which if you're oh, in the ECHL, okay. the
0: idea, yeah. if
1: you're in the ECHL and you're traveling with the NHL team and the NHL hotels with the NHL per diems, that's a decent little okay. bump in lifestyle. So there's a perk there. Um, you wouldn't okay. be making an NHL salary. So the PA may have an issue with this, um, yes. but you would be traveling. And so no more of this, Again, with all due respect to Kyle, you know Tampa Bay area goalie with lightning bolts on his pads doing the hot lap for the St. Louis Blues. Um, you know you would you would actually have a guy that was a part of your system. And again, you'd have to be you'd have to structure some rules so that teams didn't find a way to use this to their advantage as a way around the cap. Um, you'd have to really make sure it was a prospect. But there's got to be it would be to another
0: contract, though it would be another player.
1: It would, teams, wouldn't, because it you wouldn't. need
0: two goaltenders in the ECHL Well, the one fires up. Yeah, you can always find a goaltender. I mean, the reality is there's goaltenders
1: in the ECHL. Now, now they've got to use the e-bug. Exactly, exactly. There are, this is where you get more opportunities for more goalies, PTOs, contracts, <laughs> things like that, three no, goalies no, no, down like in the that. minors.
0: I like that. I'm just trying to get my head around
1: I goal. don't fully have my head around it, but when Billy explained it to me when I was at the rink the other no. day, there, there was a lot of. You know, again, a lot of people said just make it a practice goalie and there's a lot of problems. This isn't perfect, but I think you could dot the I's and cross the T's on this. Um, the concept works. And you just have to sort of find ways to make sure there aren't loopholes so teams take advantage of it. And, you know, again, this is not to rail on e-bugs. They're great stories, right? And, and, and the idea of having somebody there when there's an injury in the warm-up or like hours before the game and somebody can't get there, I'm all I have no problem with that. But when you legitimately have a contracted goal, especially with COVID, a contracted goalie that can be there and in the game and you can't put them in because of the salary cap because you got a goalie out with COVID but still counting on your cap because you can't put them on LTIR for a short term, um, that, that's, that's not a good look. Like It's just not a good look. You're literally choosing to have a beer leaguer on your bench rather than a, a signed, um, legitimate NHL goaltending prospect.
0: Can we come up with a better name than beer leaguer? Because if we come up with a better name, it might be more accepted.
1: More accepted. Not men's
0: league. You can't do rec league. I got to come up with a better name for, for for this. And you can't call it senior goaltender because my mind just goes to old, old fart. <laughs> which, so, which which, which for come you up and me, with a better works. name for it?
1: <laughs> yes, maybe we do. Maybe we do. But like again, I, I again the funny part is though. I think that the NHL likes like the, the story angle and the amount of attention it gets. They like the beer league angle.
0: I, again, I'll go back to last week's episode. It's been fun, like you've had two really good stories. Nobody's got lit up for a 15 goal against night yet, and I'm sorry, that's coming. It's gonna happen. We're living in the in the glory years of the e bug right now, and and it, that first person is gonna get torched. Well, you, <laughs> yeah,
1: because if I end up in there for sure, it's gonna be like 15. And I found out recently that. I was next on the list to get a call for a potential e bug spot here in Vancouver. Um, really? Yeah, because they have a deep list; like they've got it well planned out. UBC goalies—they've got a whole. Everybody got hurt, and the UBC team was away, and all their next options—like three guys—got hurt within a day of the game no, here man. last Saturday, and they ended up getting uh, Paul Dolan, who does is is a former, like, I believe national team soccer goalie. Um, does the local broadcast for the Vancouver Whitecaps? They got his son, who is a goaltender at SFU. Um, but they were far enough down the list that one of their hockey operations people said, yeah, we actually sort of, I was wondering if I was going to have to give you a call here, but then we found this guy. So, um, that would be the end, like for, for sure. The first time, like they get so desperate, so far down the list that they need to ask Kevin Woodley, that's going to be the night where I end up, you know, they end up needing the e-bug and I will be the one that breaks the system by sucking.
0: (laughs) Woodley ends the glory era yeah, yeah. of the e bug. Uh, that's pretty funny. Twenty three years old and already married. Good for him. Uh, uh, that's uh, that's cool. And there's nothing wrong with lightning bolts in your pads if if you're living in Tampa Bay. But I get I get what you mean and, and all that kind of that kind of uh, synergy uh, with the uniform. Uh, our sense arena feature interview this week is all the way over to Finland, and this was recorded uh, a couple of days ago uh, with. Uh, David Hutchison uh, doing this before he uh, stepped aside and focused on the Western Hockey League draft with uh, with young Maddie, but it's uh, somebody that's very close to him uh, and the family. And uh, Connor Lacouvee is from uh, Vancouver Island, and he's right now playing in the Finnish Elite League. Uh, played uh, all four years of college, and then has he's not journeyman. He didn't bounce around. He just fell into like the COVID nightmare of having to to turn pro. Uh, at the At the just the weirdest time possible,
1: yeah and you know what though, like there's a good story like there's a good this is a great backstory, yeah, and this may not be a name that that a lot of people recognize, obviously, this is not somebody at the top of the national hockey League and save percentage, um but in addition to a really cool story about you know some of the challenges and some of the ways he's navigated, it, I just found there were so many lessons in here um and so many eye opening things about you know, what life is like as a pro, but also what the pro opportunities are like for those that, you know, whose path to the NHL gets subverted, um, whether it's because of opportunity or whether it's because of a pandemic. um, There's, we know there's life outside the National Hockey League, really good lives and really interesting lives that take you all over the place. And I just thought this was a really good look at some of those paths and some of the lessons learned along the way uh, are going to apply to a lot more people then the stories from somebody who went from, you know, being a kid straight into high draft pick right into the National Hockey League. So touched on a lot of different things, really enjoyed this interview that Hutch did and uh, gets a little heavy at times, folks, uh, yeah. you know, warning there.
0: There's a, there's a tragedy right in the middle of it that yeah. uh, is unfathomable. Um, but just uh,
1: around that on both sides of that before and after, um, just like I said, a ton of great stories and a ton of great lessons from Connor.
0: Yeah, and the, the idea that uh, he's got teammates and just life of being in in the minor leagues where one day a teammate's gone because he's been traded or cut or called up or whatever. And you, and it almost sounds cold at times because you know, that's just life. Oh, yeah. N- new bag. There's a new bag there. And uh, just the rotation of uh, uh, of teammates. Or, but it's brought or, to you by f-
1: sensoriness. So I was going to say, or with the pandemic, some days your whole right. section of the league is just
0: Gone. Gone. Your whole set, sa- yeah, and your contracts. years uh, over, contracts and- up, yep. And you're, uh, you're left and go, what do I do now? Well, you know what you do? Yeah, you log into Arena VR.
1: And special offer from Sense Arena. For those of you that didn't get in on it early um, for the Black Friday sale, they've extended that offer um, and extended a lot of the discounts, including the Ingo Mag discount. You can still get a free Oculus uh, I don't know when the end data on this is, but the demand was so high that they decided to extend it, give more people that opportunity to get this under the tree. Free Oculus offer is still on. Make sure you check out our social media. Check them out at sensorina.com. Make sure you use the, the Ingole magazine code. You can find that on our social media as well um, to get yourself an extra $50 off. We've talked so much over the years about uh, sensorina as a training tool. Uh, And now you can get it continuing from the Black Friday sale uh, at basically the best price we've ever seen. The free Oculus 2 headset. uh, What a great opportunity to get better as a goaltender, even when you can't get on the ice. Uh, It's never been cheaper. And if whether, again, much like the hockey shop, whether it's for you, you want to gift it to yourself for Christmas or for the goalie in your life. I actually can't think of a much better present than Sense Arena. It It would top my list.
0: Uh, I love it. Uh, I use it, and it's uh, amazing. And uh, you can uh, just uh, have some fun with it, or you can really get right into the nitty gritty and challenge yourself, and and see how much it can help you on the ice. But it's it's a cool activity, uh, just to almost work out in uh, while you, while you go through it uh, as as you listen to this interview. Uh, maybe just, uh, if you've got your phone or your computer handy, uh, just, uh, do a search at Elite Prospects, whatever site that you use for career statistics. But, uh, Connor Lacuve, uh, is just a, a cool story and you'll get a, be able to look at the journey on your screen as you listen to this conversation. And one thing was going to shine through out, he is, uh, undeterred and he is positive and that is something that yeah, uh, just on, from the very basic level that you could take from it and then all the lessons that uh, that Kev uh just talked about uh that are that are underneath and just come one after the other. It's our feature interview brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR. Here's David Hutchison.
3: Today, we're pleased to welcome fourth year pro Connor LeCouve to Ingoal Radio. Uh, we first met Connor as a youngster in the BCHL, and since then, he's gone on to an NCAA career with uh, Boston and Minnesota Mankato. And now he's in his fourth year as a pro, currently off to what I would say is a memorable start in the Finnish Liga, where he sports a 1.01 goals against average and 9.56 save percentage, as we're recording today in late November. And uh, Connor, welcome to Ingoal. Thanks for joining us today.
4: Yeah. Thanks so much, Hatch. Excited to be here, man. Really excited.
3: Yeah. Glad we could finally do this. What I thought we could talk about is, you know, for every Carey Price or Spencer Knight who rises through just those traditional development paths on the road to the NHL, like it's a, you know, a one-way highway, there's dozens of of young goalies like yourself who are pushing for that road to the NHL. They're building a great professional career, but the path may be a little bit more winding, a little bit different challenges, but, you know, all the same goal. So maybe we can sort of peel back the curtain on that a bit today and and describe for people what your journey has been like, and and maybe along the way, we can learn a few things from you.
4: For sure. Let's get to it.
3: Let's get to it. So uh, let's just start where we do with so many people. Where'd you get your start? Uh, I think it was that hockey hotbed of Qualicum Beach, British Columbia, probably known more as a retirement community, I'd say. But uh, where'd you get started and how'd you end up uh,
4: getting into junior hockey? Yeah, I played just minor hockey in Oceanside um, up until Midget. And then I went to uh, Athel Murray College of Notre Dame. Yep. So I went there in Saskatchewan, Wilcox for uh, three years, my grade 10, 11, 12 years, where I played um, on the second, like the double A team my first year. And then uh, on the top triple A team, my grade 11 and 12 year.
3: Yeah. And an amazing history of of hockey there at Notre Dame, for sure. So in, in many respects, sort of a traditional route, I guess you started on at that point. And then you went BCHL, the British Columbia Hockey League, that's Junior A um, for people on the West Coast. If you're, if you're not from the West Coast, it's sort of, I would say, the top route on the West Coast of Canada to get into the NCAA, at least in terms of the number of players who moved there. Was the NCAA always your goal when you're at Notre Dame? Did you always think that school is the way that you wanted to go or, or were you still open to what you might do when you were there?
4: Oh yeah, I was, I was definitely leaning towards going, uh, going to school. I think it was big for my, my parents for me to get an education. I think it would be, um, you know, I think it's the best of both worlds. If you can go to, uh, to a school, get some of it paid for and go play like great hockey out there and just have a really cool, really cool experience. And so, so Notre Dame to
3: the BCHL? Uh, yep. two-year career there how was that for you I think but three different teams in two years that's a it's a very junior hockey experience
4: yeah yeah exactly I think I it was interesting I started with uh with Nanaimo I don't think I played oh, I any didn't game. even know
3: about that one yeah
4: yeah I don't I don't I didn't play any games with them I was um, there for a couple like almost a month or so but um there was that rule in the BCHL where you need a 16 year a 17 year old guy Right. So I was I was taken as like the backup goalie that year. But um I think we had one younger guy end up going to the WHL. So with that, then I kind of got bounced out. And then I went, I ended up playing junior B a bit in Victoria. And I went then after that I played well and went to uh couch in the Capitals. Right. Which is where we and uh um, Yeah. yeah enjoy, enjoy my time there. It was a bit of a, it was a definitely an interesting season for my first year of juniors. I think we had um I think we had like our head coach, GM, like everyone kind of ended up getting fired or getting released or kind of leaving a lot of moving parts. And, um, I think the team ended up getting sold at the end of the year, switched ownerships. So, um, yeah, after that, I managed to find myself in, uh, in merit for the start of, uh, start of the next season. And, um, I was. Uh, I was only there for, for four games. Uh, they had, they had two goalies. They, they had two goals they were happy with. I was just kind of taken on because one of their, one of their guys was hurt. So I, I went out there, played four games, played well, and then, um, got an opportunity from Port Alberni and, um, played well in Alberni Valley there, had a great time and ended up getting a scholarship to Boston. Yeah. And that's,
3: uh, and congrats on that. That's great. That's, Actually, for a lot of guys, that's pretty quick—two years in the league, and then you pick up your NCAA scholarship. Because I know a lot of the college teams want you to get that full experience through junior, get a little older, a little bit bit bigger and stronger. Uh, so, how did that work? Like, how did you first get contacted by Boston, or did you reach out to them?
4: So my my last year in the BCHL, what, nineteen year old year, turning twenty, um, I was playing. I was playing pretty well, but it was kind of near the end of near the end of the year. And most teams uh do a lot of like commitments uh, in the beginning of the year. So I was uh I was kind of talking to a couple couple different teams, um, like the Alaska's uh UConn, Fair state and kind of one day just out of the blue, Boston University had called me and said they uh needed a goalie for next season. And uh yeah, it was an incredible opportunity. Um, yeah, I was very, very excited. You know, I wasn't sure if it was going to pan out, but fortunately it did. And it was an incredible experience. Yeah. Three years
3: at a, a, another famed program. I, I don't want to belabor it too much, but what is that process like of finding a university? Because I think we probably have a lot of parents listening right now that, that worry, you know, I need just the right advisor who can open all these doors for me, or I'd better be sending letters out to every school that I'm interested in. Uh, do they just come knocking? What, what was your experience like?
4: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, I never had a, I never had a family advisor or anything like that. I was just kind of contacted by them. I feel like how a lot of it works out is that once kind of like one school takes notice of you or starts talking to you, then um, more and more schools kind of start to take notice and start right. to look at look into you and check some references. But, uh, yeah, I don't really have any experience with the family advisor. I think, um, for myself and my family, it was like, obviously checking out the, like where I was going to school, like, you know, was it in a city or living, you know, an urban area, like off, you know, kind of in a, what do you want to call it college town? Yep. Kind of, you know, checking if that's, if you, first of all, you got to check if that's the right fit, you got to check, like the pro the actual like academic programs if you know if you're serious about school if they have the right programs like and then if, obviously the hockey too like you have to check you know who they have for as a goalie you know who they have currently in that you're going to be brought in just as backup goalie are you going to be brought in as the starter are you going to be brought in as like 50 50 guy to compete and um i think that's like a, a big thing wherever you go especially college because usually it is a four-year commitment kind of you know taking into account who they have as their number one so far where they kind of see you and what's that transition like
3: uh from junior hockey to the ncaa how do you compare those two experiences
4: yeah i think uh i think the bchl does a great job in preparing like all its players for college hockey um obviously I had I had graduated two years prior, so I'd been out of school for like two years. So going back to school, that's uh, that's a bit of a different experience. <laughs> yeah. um, but Boston University was awesome. They had a whole bunch of educational advisors to help us out, student athlete advisors to kind of help us plan our courses and make sure we we're taking like the right course load and not kind of overloading, you know, your first year and figuring out like some professors that guys have like enjoyed in the past and like is lenient with your travel schedule and with it's your an hockey schedule. Experience, yeah. Yeah. But um, you know, I think I was like, I felt very prepared coming in from the BCHL. I think like that league is an awesome league and it really prepared me like on the ice for everything that I would almost everything that I would see in, you know, college hockey. Can you compare that hockey experience,
3: whether it's your day-to-day experience or the the game itself?
4: I felt like the BCHL is a very, um, very open league. And um, so a lot of scoring chances, kind of a lot of like run and gun, like high-flying offense where, you know, you could maybe see like, it wouldn't be uncommon for me to see like 40, 50 shots in a game. I mean, that's it's a lot and like a lot of chances against. Yep. And then in college hockey, like it's quite a bit more defensive feel like it's a bit more possession, like possession based um, teams don't really shoot the puck just to shoot the puck, you know, teams will look for more and more scoring chances where, you know, you have, you can play some of these games where it's like 20, 30 shots, but you have some, you have maybe 10 great A's or eight grade A's that, you know, are very tough to stop. With the BCHL, obviously it's, uh, like a junior development league. You're playing like, I think 60 games around there. Yeah, not like sure that. how many it is now Yeah, college, like spit over 30 games. So in college, like it's very, uh, like practice is very emphasized with the whole development process. Like they're really on you about getting your, your work in in the gym. Like if you're uh, if you're a smaller guy or you need to put on some weight, if you need to put on some muscle, like they're very. I'm very good about that. You know what I mean? They'll have you guys with like meal plans or you guys with workout plans and really making sure you get what you need. I think for me, like a big difference was getting back and just to that routine of two practices or sorry, two games a week mm-hmm. and then the rest practices. Because, you know, in the BCHL, you could be playing like Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday or something like that. And so it's a lot more Based upon the games and the actual practices, and for a guy like myself that didn't play a whole bunch of in my first year, I think I may maybe have like a third of the games or around there. Like there's some we, there's some times when you know you don't play a weekend, you don't play another weekend, and maybe you play like the fifth or sixth game, so you haven't played for like two and a half weeks. So like going back, I think just being able like I would try and have a better emphasis of like practicing how I played right because I think you know as you know a somewhat young kid going to college and enjoying his life like sometimes you don't you don't think practice is the most important thing right you know you got other things on your mind so but it's your game yeah exactly and it's so and it is so important and just being able to kind of have that mindset of like This is my, this is my job, my job, what I like to do and, you know, being very present at the rink for those, you know, three, four hours that you're there. How
3: do you take control of that experience? I mean, you're, you're going now to what you've described as a very different in-game experience and they say there's really no replacement for playing games so that you can learn those patterns, learn those reads. Uh, but now you're forced to do that starting once every two to three weeks in a very short season how as an individual do you take charge of that in practice so that you can be ready for that very different game
4: that's a great question and that's something that i'm still learning to do i definitely have gotten a lot better at it but i think even like in my college years i wasn't very mature about it i think um like I, I obviously everyone loves to play, and it sure. you know it it sucks not playing for three weeks. It's very tough to take um a monday a Monday morning practice as serious as a Friday night game so i think like I think for myself, like the first thing is just being being in a good mood, being enthusiastic, and enjoying what you do because if you enjoy stopping pucks, then it doesn't matter like if it's a, if it's a practice or a game, you're going to be excited for it. And I think like trying to focus more on myself and what my game needed and what I could improve every day on was a big, um, was a big factor in like keeping my head in it, keeping my practice habits good. Because I think once you start to Oh, I, I haven't played in two weeks. Oh, so, like, am I going to get a game in? Like, this, our other goalies playing really well? Like, do I even know if I'm going to... Once you start having all these questions and start, like, attributing your development to, like, external factors, I think that's when you get in a, a bad spot mentally and then get in a bad spot, obviously, like, physically, and then you don't play well. Did you have somebody to
3: talk to about those things at the time, whether a relationship with a goalie coach or a mental skills person or something, or is this just the maturity of looking back on it?
4: I think I, I think I would maybe have had some people, but I don't think I really dealt with it. Like the best, the best way. I think it's a lot of, um, yeah, maturity and just kind of experience of it. I think ultimately like you're going to have to learn that, on your own. I think it would be, it would have been great if I had someone in that position. My junior year, I didn't play very much. We had uh Jay Gottinger, who yes. was our our starter. He came in and, um, Brian Eklund was our goalie coach. I think he's a development coach for bingo in the American league right now. And he was great. Ran us st- worked, uh, like worked the goalies hard, been in that position before. And he helped me a lot just trying to keep uh keep an even keel and like get to work on like specific things. And you know, even though I wasn't playing, we would still get on the ice and like continue to do skill development. And that's like that was a big thing for me, just keeping myself self in it and like still having fun with hockey.
3: How much how much one on one time do you get
4: with a goalie coach there? It depends. I mean, like certain Eklund was there like every day. Yeah. I don't think you may miss one, like one practice. So we got a lot of like work together, just how it was set up at BU. We, we had ice available in the mornings. We practiced at 3 PM, but we had ice, like it was our rink, so We had ice available. So like you could skate in the morning and kind of blow off some steam or skate in the morning and like, just work on some skills and like you're skating and, you know, I would try and do that. And I think that was a good, uh, good like outlet for me just because you know you're kind of working on something you're positive you have that growth mindset where you know you're always trying to improve you're always you know you're still enjoying the game and that was i think that was huge
3: you went from your four-year ncaa career straight into a pro career i don't think everybody listening to this realizes how difficult that is there are so many people competing for a limited number of of jobs between the east coast league and the american league Teams have guys they've drafted that they put in different places. There's not a lot of seats available. Yeah, it's,
4: it's I didn't realize, like, I don't think a lot of people realize how competitive even, like, the ECHL is now. Especially as a goalie, because, like, most most NHL organizations have five, six goalies on an NHL contract in North America. Yep. So, like, if you, if you do the math, you know, you got two in the NHL, two in the AHL, and usually at least one maybe two in the ECHL so even to play in the ECHL as like as an undrafted or like unsigned goalie is like very difficult now because of how like strong kind of the pipelines are
3: again we we talked about at the NHL level that experience of goalie musical chairs on free agency day and how guys have to grab a spot as quickly as they can for fear there might not be one available um that trickles right down doesn't it you you must Still today, be going through that every summer. About, yeah, it's. Um, Do I go here? Yeah, it's always and not- so
4: funny. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, yeah, it's spot on because I mean, for all the like all the pro goalies, obviously it's like the big dogs at the top of the NHL that uh, get signed first, and then it's just that trickle down effect. So like a lot of guys, like American League and ECHL goalies, are sometimes waiting till like August to figure out where they're playing
3: and then you must have a few different opportunities come your way, whether it's a particular league in Europe or that East coast league, you've got your dream path, whatever that might be. And do I pass this opportunity up and maybe that door is closed if I come back to it too late or yeah, (laughs) what's going on? Yeah.
4: It's a stressful time for sure. It's a stressful time. That's uh, a, it's exciting time, but it's also stressful too, because you know, you're, you're on the phone, you're thinking things over and, you know, trying to decide which, uh, what's going to be the best fit for yourself.
3: Yeah. So you've got an agent guiding you through that process and probably touching base with family or who's, they, they talk at the NHL level about, uh, you know, so-and-so's camp. Uh, what's the camp yeah. for a minor <laughs> league guy that's going through these offers?
4: Yeah. Um, so I have a European agent now, um, Thomas Krejci and, um, they uh, they operate, it's called unlimited sports management. Um, I've started working with him just kind of the past two years. Uh, incredible guy, he's uh, from the Czech Republic. Um, probably the hardest, like the hardest working agent I've ever, I've ever met. He's just always like on the ball, texting me if I, you know, if I need anything. He's a phenomenal guy. Like really cares about his players and goes above and beyond. Like tell all my buddies how uh, you know how great of a job he does. He's an incredible nice. guy.
3: Um, let's so just go back to the to the east coast league again for a second what's that like as you're chasing the dream i mean does the team look after you when you arrive there or are you at a level where you got to find a place to stay yourself in a hotel or something while you find out if you stick with the team what what can you tell us about that
4: yeah so um all for my knowledge all echl teams have uh, provide apartments for their players provide housing for players so they will—they uh, provide all like the housing for you. Um, whereas in the American League, you need to, you know, go get your own housing. Mm-hmm. Once you get like, if you get a housing letter.
3: Okay, so you're pretty well looked after the team. You're not sleeping in the back of your car hoping for that job. No, <laughs> <laughs> fortunately not. Although we've heard some stories from from junior hockey that aren't far off that. Um, okay, so now you get your first shot uh, in the American League. How'd that come about, and and what's the difference?
4: Yeah, I uh, so I got my first shot in Utica. I was playing really well in in Maine. Um, got called up to Utica. Um, I think, I think that, uh, Demko was was hurt. I think he had a concussion there. So and they, they had um, they had a goalie named Ivan Kulbakov, who was uh, I think he was a, dra- a draft pick, or maybe he was just signed by them. Or their American league team, but they kind of said, like, hey, this is uh this is the guy we want playing right now. Like, you know, we'll bring you up and you can kind of back up and just uh practice and you know, see how it goes. Um so I went to out to uh sunny, Utica. And um <laughs> Well, you're from sunny you know, British Columbia, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um went out there for like a month, month and a half. Uh it was yeah just in in the I was posted up in a ho- hotel room there. the level of level of play it's definitely uh, definitely a step up from the ECHL. I think like the biggest thing is you have you have like five players that are all a bit better than the ECHL players, but when the five players are on the ice together, it just kind of creates like a synergistic effect where it's like a lot quicker in that sense n h l is quite a bit more systematic like you play you have four lines it's a bit it's a lot like it's a bit more professional quite a bit more professional in some cases obviously like having the n h l club like having that money and that like development money to uh to supply you with things like you know like basic you know food and like travel more like bigger travel budgets and team expenses like that so a lot more professional in that sense. It's a great league. It's a largely like um developmental league. It's interesting. You mentioned, you know,
3: that the, the big club dictated who was playing and that's something else, right? We, we, we talked about how it's hard to find a job, especially as the undrafted guy because of the number of guys in NHL contracts. But I think people also don't realize that the big club to an extent is dictating who's getting the playing time as well.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, from my knowledge I, that like, from my knowledge, it's mostly like, I could be totally wrong saying this, but uh, I've heard a lot of times that the NHL GM will set the AHL rosters. Obviously, they're going to be more inclined to go with um, a guy who signed in their organization than just some random goalie who they've picked up on a PTO.
3: Well, hardly random. You earned your way there. and um, Kind of fun that you, you get your first playing time with a team affiliated with almost your hometown NHL team. Mm-hmm. And then. And then you get to go from there to the Laval Rocket AHL team for the Montreal Canadiens, another, another big story, storybook team for a Canadian.
4: Yeah, yeah. Laval was, uh, Laval was awesome. That was a really, really cool experience. It's an um, incredibly run organization, uh, super passionate fan base. Um, it's just very, very professional. Can't say enough good things about my time in Laval. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Obviously being, uh, associated with the Canadians, like all um, their Laval is about like 30 minutes, 40 minutes away from Montreal, like very well funded team, very passionate fan base. Like it was, uh, it was a really cool experience. Super nice facilities, like all brand new it Was uh, yeah, it was awesome.
3: So, and we know the goalie coach there quite well. Good friend of in goals, Marco Marciano. Okay. Uh, what's, You've been through a lot of goalie coaches now with all these stops in the first few years of your pro career. What's that like? Each time you come into a team, what's how do you build yeah. that relationship with them? Are, is everybody remaking your game? Or are you just sort of like they must they must be different experiences? But what can you tell us about that?
4: Yeah, <laughs> very uh, very different experiences. I mean, largely positive for myself, but yeah, uh, quite quite different philosophies in each each coach's each coach's perspective i think um at the kind of the pro level at kind of like as well as the older you get like i think it's less like trying to change your game change your style and just like work to improve and work to like increase efficiencies and like some little things as opposed to try and like re you know rebuild your game so i think like a lot of um a lot of video we did and just kind of like going over, you know, game tape and how is this the right save selection here? Like what happened on this goal? This is a great save here. Do you like doing this? Like, okay, I I like this movement. Let's try and like incorporate in sometimes in practice. Like, do you want to try it? And, you know, kind of being comfortable, being uncomfortable, I guess, not to sound too cliche, but no, it's a great term. I think just being able to be like, for myself, at least trying to be like flexible with uh, different coaching philosophies. And I take it as like a blessing too, because you're, you're getting to, you're getting to see all these different philosophies and obviously they've worked for various different goalies and it's just kind of, you take in everything, you're respectful to them, obviously, but you know, at the end of the day, you're in the net and you kind of have to make decisions on what you, what you choose to do. So I think you know you learn from them and you kind of incorporate what you, what works best for you.
3: Is there anybody along the way from a goalie coach perspective that was particularly memorable in terms of that experience where you you got in there and you're like, wow, I really click with this guy. This is I'd, I'd like to stick around here for a little while.
4: Yeah, I would say uh Brandon Pottersey. He was my goalie coach at Minnesota Mankato. Okay. So uh my my last year of college hockey. Uh he's just uh super great guy, stellar dude. Um, great, great mind for hockey, great goalie coach. He's uh he's actually the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers goalie coach now. Yeah, just a very very great guy, very um positive, easygoing, like kind of creating that like dialogue, you know, where it's not like uh it's not like a coach telling you what to do, but it's like, "Hey, you know, you played really well doing Like when you're playing above the blue paint here, like, I think we should look into more of this. Like, how do you feel playing out here? Like, this is a good, this is good for your game. And then like looking at like, oh, you got scored on from like this bad angle here. Like, is this because you overlap? Is this because you RVH? Like, let's try and create a system and kind of stay consistent with like our habits. So a real dialogue. I think that's for a person like me, like Zach. Um, that's, that's really big. I think just being able to like express your feelings and how, and what works for you what doesn't work for you. And just kind of being able to kind of tell him how you want to be coached. I think like being, like, being comfortable with your goal coach to say like, Hey, I was feeling uncomfortable on screenplays and traffic this weekend. Like, can we try and incorporate some, like, Throughout this week, that would you know mean a lot to me. And then you do that throughout the week, and you start to take little things. You start to feel more comfortable, and then you know hopefully next weekend you're a bit better on screens and traffic plays.
3: What's it like working through those those different opportunities in the East Coast League and the American League? We referred to sort of the the goalie musical chairs that happens in the summer. What's what's it like? Are you able to just park all that during the season and just put your head down and do your thing? Do you have an agent who's Sort of dealing with all that for you, and so that you can work, or or is it is it a difficult life as a as a minor league, or worrying about what comes next?
4: Yeah, to be honest, it's definitely uh, it's definitely. I mean, it's, first off, it's the position that I'm, I'm choosing. You know, I chose to be a goalie, chose to play pro hockey. I get to you know pursue my passion every day, get to play a sport for a living. So that's that's phenomenal. You can't uh, you can't complain too much about that. Kind of the once you start to once you start to not realize that or take away from that, then I think it kind of, you're kind of done, but I will that say that probably like, applies to kids. Sorry.
3: That probably applies to kids like all the way down. Like you might not be happy. You're on the, the P B team, or you might not be happy that you're not on the midget triple a team, but you're playing a game and you don't know what's coming next year. You got to make the most of it and enjoy the
4: experience. Oh yeah. I, Oh yeah. Like I think, that's a huge thing that I always try and keep at the front of my mind that like I get to do this and it's my, my choice. I mean, I talk to a lot of my buddies like back home and it's, you know, very stressful working lives, you know, nine to five and just kind of, Oh man, must be nice playing, playing hockey and playing a sport. And I, you know, puts things in perspective for me quite a bit. But what, what took you, I mean, I guess it's the
3: COVID season that opened up the door to Europe for you. Hmm. And and how did you end up
4: going over there? Yeah, that, <laughs> that was kind of wild. Um, so in the summer, I had signed a, a two way American League deal with the Hartford Wolfpack, and uh, the affiliate team would be Maine. The ECHL team would be right. Maine. So I knew if I didn't make Hartford or wasn't called up to Hartford, I would be playing in like a very comfortable. Place in Maine, uh, great guys, great organization, so I was happy with that. COVID kind of rolls around. The whole uh, Northeast division of the ECHL states that it's not going to play. So all those teams don't play for the season. At this point, I'm uh, kind of wondering, like, what does that mean for me? So you find out that – I don't even know what time it is, maybe – Maybe it's like October when this kind of happens. We find out that like the American League like training camp is going to start midway through December, and like it's been just kind of getting like pushback, push back, push back, push back, push back, right? And so I'm kind of like, wow, this is not looking too uh, too great. I kind of ask Hartford if I'm uh, like if I could go to uh, Europe. To maybe play a couple games or for a month or two before the HL training camp and then kind of see where I end up there. And I had a team picked out and they wouldn't they wouldn't loan me out. They wouldn't allow me to do that. So that was yeah, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty frustrating. Like they loaned out, um, I mean, like every a lot of people were getting loaned out from like NHL clubs to go play in various European leagues. Do they give you an idea why that was? Or you, do you have? I think it was. I kind of think it was a uh, a money issue. I'm not sure exactly, but if it was a money, because they, I think they would still have to pay me my salary Mm. playing in Europe, because like the European club wouldn't be paying it. Okay. So then they wouldn't let me do that. So I asked then if I could go to another team in the ECHL, because the coast was the coast was still playing, but just the Northeast Division wasn't, and they wouldn't do that. They weren't authorized from the Rangers to do that for anyone. So then (laughs) about like, about like two weeks later after I had like, you know, figured out a team that I was going to in Europe and like was excited, but told I couldn't go and told I couldn't play in the ECHL Hartford calls me and they're like, uh, we're allowed to unilaterally terminate your contract. So, (laughs) All guys on uh, two way deals in their organization were, were terminated.
3: So they've held your whole career back. You're not letting you go anywhere. And then all of a sudden they just cut you loose.
4: Yeah. And I, it, yeah. And it was like, uh, it, was, it was pretty frustrating in, in, in that sense. I mean, yeah, it was pretty frustrating in that sense because I had, you know, kind of a team picked out and it would have worked out well. And then obviously, you know, you speak of the musical chairs. That team doesn't need a goalie anymore. They already signed someone. Luckily, I was able to uh, find uh, find a team in Slovakia, Dukla uh, Trnářin, and went out there for like a month month and a bit. Played pretty well. And uh, Brian DeCord for Arizona Coyotes stopped a goaltender. He gave me a call and said, like, you know, hey, we need a backup goalie in Tucson. Would you be interested in coming out? And yeah, I thought it was a great, great idea, great opportunity. So went out to, uh, Tucson, Arizona. Did
3: you get to know Brian before when you were in Boston?
4: Yeah, I worked, uh, I went to stop at goaltending a couple times, like, a couple summers and worked with them and he's, he's a great guy. Like really enjoyed working with them. I think he has uh, a wealth of knowledge. I think he's very like informed and yeah, I really enjoy my time working with Brian. Yeah. We definitely love every
3: conversation with him. So, uh, an American league experience again in Tucson looked like it went pretty well for you
4: yeah it was uh it was kind of an up and down season. it wasn't It wasn't a great
3: season to be honest. about a nine fifteen with you in your games there, that's not so bad
4: we didn't We didn't do too well, I don't think, with like in terms of standings. yeah. so like a lot of lot of a lot of losses and like a bit of frustration on that end. When
3: you're with a different team every year or sometimes two or three teams throughout a year. Do you have a team experience? Like, do you feel really tight with the team right away? And does that competitive nature come out in that we need to win some games? Or, or is there an internal focus of I've got to look after myself and, and be ready for the next opportunity? There must be a strange balance going on there because you're not playing for the same team for four years. It's not like, you know, being in the NCAA and feeling really the next win really matters.
4: Yeah, that's, um, that's def- I would say that's definitely something that's um, – different about the pro environment than the college environment. And even largely like the European environment, because like, there's not really a lot of trades in European, like pro hockey, usually the team kind of the players they sign are most likely like the players for the year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously with college, usually you're there for four years. So you really do kind of foster that like deep relationship with your teammates and you really want to pull together and like win a championship. Pro is pretty wild because like, I mean, especially in the American league because you have guys going up to the NHL and you have guys have guys going down to the ECHL as well as there's like a lot of trades. So, you know, teams can have 40 plus like 40 players on the team at different times. And it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. You you obviously try and make friends and try and uh, try and, you know, pick out the guys that you like on the team and, hang out with them like outside of the rink but it's definitely a lot different from that college environment of like you know you're pretty pretty close with everyone on the team and you kind of do things together it's quite um quite a bit more clicks I would say
3: yeah and does that and that probably develops along the lines of contracts too I would guess I mean there's the guys on the NHL contracts there's the guys like yourself trying to work your way up
4: yeah definitely because I mean like most guys I mean especially Starting, starting out younger, you know, when you first go into pro, you're usually signing, you're signing an NHL deal. It's an entry level deal usually for three or two years. So you kind of do have that like, Hey, I'm going to be in this organization for three years. So then that like kind of flip the script for like the management perspective. It's like, we have this, we have this kid for three years. So we want him to play games. We want him to develop. We want to kind of nurture him and make sure he's the goalie that we believe he is. I guess it must be a little
3: bit easier to an extent for a goaltender because there's three or four of you throughout the year, probably, instead of thinking about the forty guys that come and go in the room.
4: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, I mean, most likely you know who your uh goalie partner is, hopefully. Yeah. But um in terms of guys, it's like pretty wild, you know, people, new bags, new bags in the room all the time, guys leaving, like just and it happens so often that there's not really like it's not like there's like communication between like the players like, oh, hey, we're calling someone up or, hey, we're sending someone down. It just kind of like happens. You know, you show up to the rink one day and like someone's gone.
3: <laughs> it's a bit like the BCHL days.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, um,
3: is it pretty much been, been the similar experience with every team or is there an organization who manages that well? You don't have to name names, but does anybody manage that process well for a team perspective?
4: I think th- I think there are. I think a lot of it is, like, more so the the mm-hmm. guys on the team, how, how they kind of handle it, opposed to maybe, like, the management and kind of, like, the coaching staff. Because, obviously they, like they, obviously, they have their say and, and, you know, tell the guys, you know, we're going to have mm-hmm. a different lineup and different players inserted. But I think just, like, having a good group of guys and be, having them being able to be flexible in terms of, like, in pro, like, it's crazy. You know, you can be playing... There's been a lot of times when I've been, like last year in Tucson, there was, start, went from starting against Texas, was supposed to start against Texas. Aiden Hill got sent down and he, he played the games. I was up, I was on oh, the stands for the, the weekend. So you go from starting goalie to third string goalie, like very quickly. And like, I think it's just trying to, obviously like on the individual to be like flexible and be a good guy about it and don't be, you know, bitter and not be upset and kind of bring down the team atmosphere. Cause you know, it is a team game after all. And it means a lot to the guys to be, you know, a good, a good person, not just a good goalie, whether you're playing or whether you're not,
3: you can be ready to be a mental skills coach when you, uh, when you retire, you've been through so many experiences.
4: Well, you know, I'm learning a lot from Pete Fry. I just started working with him. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully.
3: And Pete was kind enough to put us together, so he's, he's a lot of fun and, uh, and does great work. Uh, you've had quite an experience in,
4: in Europe this year. Yeah, it was uh, it's pretty wild. I, um, unfortunately, had a pretty tragic uh, situation with my team in Bratislava. We had, um, unfortunately, we had a teammate pass away on the ice, which... Um, yeah, you never expect anything like that to happen. No. It was uh yeah, it was yeah, definitely one of the toughest things I've ever had to deal with. I'm sorry. Yeah, it yeah. was uh yeah, super, super sad situation. And I mean to make to make matters worse, our, our our GM ended up committing suicide like two days after our player had passed away on the ice. So it was just um tragic yeah an absolute tragedy like it's you know you never you never think of anything like that you never you never think anything like that would ever happen and it's just you know it's crazy that it crazy that it did happen I mean they're both such great people and you know they're in a better place right now but it was uh yeah how do
3: you manage that time is the team
4: providing support or you? Yeah, that really... was, uh, I mean, luckily we had a great group of, uh, imports. So really close group, um, really great, really great guys. So obviously like being able to kind of talk it over with them, just kind of, I guess, share in that tragedy and just kind of like try and reminisce on the, you know, the good things about Boris and Dushan and yeah. Wild,
3: yeah, it's so good you're you're able to share, and and thanks for sharing with us because I know that's that's not easy. Uh, so out of tragedy, um, now comes something fantastic. You've you've had to make the move to Finland because the team shut down. I understand. Yeah. And now you've made the to the top league in Finland and and you're tearing it up in your first four starts. So congratulations <laughs> for that. And how's it feel to be making that big step now?
4: Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, Finland's a great league. Uh great organization here. Really a historic organization. Um enjoying enjoying the hockey, enjoying the level of professionalism about the organization, about the league. Um, working with a great goalie coach here. He's been dialing me in. And um who's the goalie coach? Let's get a shout out here. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher his last name, but his name's Ilpo. Il. I can't really say his last name. Ilpo oh. he's um he played he played pro in Germany for 12 years he's the current German national coach okay yeah so he's a he's a Finnish guy but he played pro in Germany got his passport there and now he's the uh, German national goalie coach so he'll be there for the Olympics and he's uh, absolutely phenomenal very dialed in very easygoing guy and love working with him
3: nice what's he brought to your game
4: we're just kind of uh trying to work on like some kind of some depth depth management and just setting those feet. Just making sure you're set before, you know, each shot. Depth management
3: being quite different I would think in Europe with the larger surface and the more pass 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 sort of game.
4: Yeah, it is. I think um I think that's that's a kind of uh I don't want to say like a misconception that you might need to play deeper, but I okay. think it's almost in my eyes, at least, like, I think you can maybe actually take more depth in certain situations. Oh, tell me about that. How does that work? I feel like I'm, I'm a pretty good skater. Mm-hmm. So I can usually move around the net pretty well. Obviously, you have a wider surface. But, like, sometimes you can, if you can beat the passes in certain areas, you can take more depth because because you have more time to get to your spots. So, like, I think... I think sometimes with like D to D up on the, up on the blue line, like when you're looking through traffic, I mean, I feel like you can sometimes take, take more depth, like an extra, you know, six inches just above your crease, just because, you know, if you're, if you are a good enough skater, you can get across to that depth with a bit more time. And I feel like, I feel like in North America, like obviously it's smaller to take that extra step out in terms of depth wise like mm-hmm. i feel guys just with the smaller ice making those quicker passes and like with better shooting angles i think that's kind of a tougher thing to do honestly that's at least how i'm feeling with a uh, a lot of these games here at first
3: i guess it makes sense cuz the the passes are going to be out across a much greater width but you're still covering the same distance on the crease
4: yeah it, exactly it's it kind of in certain situations, yeah, I think it's definitely uh, it's definitely beneficial if, if you can take that extra extra depth, just because like yeah, like I said, obviously there's more more surface area for the puck to travel longer distance, but like like you said, the crease is the same. So if you can like make powerful pushes to kind of the top of the crease in certain areas, then you're a lot in a lot better position than you know sometimes if you have to be like in the blue paint
3: emphasis on skating skills though right because after that second pass there might be a third and a fourth
4: yeah 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 exactly so emphasis on you know holding your edges staying on your feet not just sliding around
3: I'm sure your focus now is a hundred percent on on your play for your team in Finland and what this year brings uh do you have an eye to a return to North America at some point are you going to enjoy that European experience for a few years
4: what's the future look like um yeah, I'm just kind of enjoying it right now. I think um we'll see what happens, really. I'm uh, you know, just wanna continue doing what I love to do, keep playing, keep uh keep making more money and uh continue to kind of enjoy that experience, keep playing, hopefully keep playing in better leagues. And if the opportunity arises to come back to North America, then you know, if it's the right opportunity, then it'd be pretty special. But I know it's a, a pretty tough route and just kind of, I guess, kind of seeing what the future has in store for me, just kind of taking it one, one step at a time. I think, um, I think, you know, largely you can't, can't control that. So I think like, just for myself, it's, you know, kind of what we talked about, just having like a, a growth mindset and just kind of like having fun at the rink each day. I mean, I'm very passionate about hockey. I love hockey, but you know, goalie, it's a, it's a crazy position, you know, injuries can arise. You can realize, you know, I don't like to do this anymore. Like puck's hurt. I don't like this. So I I think for myself, it's just like, focus on the present, focus on the now continue to love what I do and just like, see how far I can take it. I mean, obviously the goal is the NHL, but you know, you, you can't, I don't think you can be upset with playing at a very high level living a great lifestyle, making good money and just like enjoying that European experience either.
3: No, I think you're, you're living a dream and it's, it's fantastic what you're doing. Um, Didn't escape our notice though, that Tim Thomas made his way back to Finland before getting back to pro hockey in North America, worked out pretty well for him. So we're hoping it works out that well for you, Connor. Yeah. I've taken way too much of your time here and you probably won't answer my phone call next time (laughs) as a result. But uh, uh, in the tradition of my partner, Kevin Woodley, one last question. Uh, as you look back to to young Connor growing up in in Qualican Beach or perhaps at Notre Dame, what what do all these years um, bring you that you might share with him that you might say, keep this in mind as you're moving up?
4: I think just kind of what we talked about earlier is just um, like being being grateful for the opportunity to pursue your passion of playing hockey, always kind of keeping that at the forefront of your mentality. Realizing that it's you know it's a blessing it's an opportunity that you're playing a sport you love to play, and that you know every day is an opportunity to get better to have fun with your friends you know you're not you're not sitting working a job you hate you're going out and you're doing something you really enjoy so be present at, be present at the rink you know it might it might suck having to get up for a six a m practice you know early morning practice, but once you're there once you're on the ice like Nothing better than making saves on some of your buddies and just being in the moment and just, you know, loving it.
3: Perfect ending. Perfect bit of advice for young goaltenders. Thank you, Connor. Appreciate you joining us today.
4: Awesome. Thanks so much, Hutch.
0: Connor, thank you. That was outstanding. And Hutch, we really appreciate you. Hutch is good at those. Like he is smooth. His delivery, it's its almost like, um, I was thinking, it's its like the questions are scripted in front of him. He's just so uh, effortless in the way he, he delivers those cues.
1: He's coming for my job there. That's two in a row. Two fantastic interviews good. in a row from David Hutchison. So um, we're just going to turn over the interview segments to him from now on. <laughs>
0: He's busy. He's he's gonna be really busy. Uh, well, I know, fun. but now he's like now
1: he can just go watch Maddie play and just pick off the opponents every week and we can just yes. we can just have like WHL feature every week.
0: Hey, when Maddie plays his first Western Hockey League game, do we have to get him on as the uh as the feature interview? We might have to. We might have to. Might have to. Uh let's think. What's going on over at uh Ingle Mag?
1: Well, I talked about that marc Andre Fleury, uh, what he's changed in his game, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly type up for tonight now that he's reached 500 and pull out a couple video samples of how he's changed it and why and his thought process on that. So that'll be up soon. Um, we've got new pro reads. We did a, a double whammy with Braden Holtby last week. Uh, we got a new one up with uh, Ryan Miller talking about area passes off the rush and sort of you know how to set yourself up for them. And Ryan's got obviously a bit of a I don't want to say a unique approach, but a little bit of a throwback. Like it's not just early set square like he comes into it the little flow and time sort of his arrival and explains explains why and does a really good job of explaining why so that's part one of two because I actually went through two sort of area pass rush chances one from each side with him um, but he was so good he went into four minutes on this one and like eight minutes on the next one so we're going to run <laughs> those in consecutive weeks because anytime you have a chance to listen to Ryan Miller talk goaltending uh, you take it's it fascinating oh yeah he yeah. just thinks the game at an incredible level so We've got those up there. Uh, I have a new pregame warm-up from Jeremy Swayman that'll be up by the end of the weekend. We saw him just the other night here in Vancouver. Sway was yeah. here uh, and started, had a really good game, lost 2-1 in a shootout, was exceptional. He's got like a 960 save percentage, his last three starts. Watched him and Bob Asenza do something unique. Uh, after they did their warm-up in the net, they did their morning skate. Before he got off the ice, they went to the sideboard, sort of center ice, and just did a back-and-forth movement drill, sort of stop push over in a butterfly take a shot in, in a cradle as you're sliding back to the other side up down push across and jeremy after the game bob Senza during the first or second period intermission both looked at the video and walked me through some of the keys of that drill we'll get that up soon i have so many drills darren and so much footage between the american hockey League and the nhl folks in goal premium subscribers i promise it's coming uh, there's been some challenges behind the scenes here in terms of timing and life and uh, a lot of things getting in the way to, we've got a little catch up to do, but for goal Premium members, there's going to be a ton of content coming out between now and Christmas uh, and, and including that one with Jeremy Swayman. Well,
0: basically, it's, you get a chance to uh, be a fly on the wall with National Hockey League and professional goaltenders.
1: Well, yeah, I mean. When, it, when,
0: you, when you do that, it's am- That's why you subscribe.
1: Yeah, and, and the thing is, is um, it, it has been, obviously, the pandemic has been a challenge. Like, I can't wait till we're mm-hmm. back in the locker, right? Like, so you're, you're a little bit yeah. at the mercy of, like, if Jeremy doesn't have a really good game the other night, he doesn't come out post-game, and I don't get to catch up yeah. with him. I probably would have had to text him when he's on the road, and that's a fine line you got to walk with these guys. Um, but, man, like, uh, they're so giving with their time. If you're really lucky as a young goaltender, you might get in to watch a, a, an NHL practice or an NHL game day skate and see what they're doing. What we're trying to do is take you in there regularly, show you the video of what they're doing regularly, and then have them explain why. And so I've got one of those from Jeremy. I've got some more coming up from Matt Volalta and, and Matt Millar uh, with the Ontario Reign uh, and the Los Angeles Kings prospects. I got some with Dustin Schwartz working with Stuart Skinner. Uh, all of these are in the can. We just got to find a time to sort of write write them out, map them out, do the video work, and get them up at IngoMag.com and Anglo Premium. So um, if you're thinking of Christmas gifts, folks, as much as we've teased, uh, hockey shops, great, great gifts Sense Arena's never been better priced. Um, uh, but there is no better gift than a subscription to in goal magazine at $50 Canadian for a year of content. We're averaging 250 stories a year. Um, just tons of great material that'll help you get better as a goaltender.
0: Yeah. I challenge you to say that it's not worth it. I'm talking to the listeners right now. I challenge you because it's. It's awesome. It'll keep you busy. You can do it uh, in the car going to and from games. You can do it at home. You can do it, uh, mom and dad. There's stuff for for parents. It's, there's everything.
1: Well, and the one thing too is if you. If we have we have monthlies and we have a annual, and the annual is fifty dollars for a year. We've had some people suggest we should be fifty bucks a month. That's not what we're about. Fifty dollars for mm-hmm. the year. If you subscribe as an annual subscriber, in addition to all the content for the next year you can go into the archives and look at all the content of the past two years. There is almost 500 stories online right now that you can look at, uh, gear tips from pros, drills, um, tips, all kinds of advice from NHL goaltenders and, and beyond the NHL, but, uh, focus largely Mm -hmm. on the national hockey league.
0: Sounds like you got your, uh, work cut out for you for the next couple hours. So, uh, we'll let you go. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, and, uh, we wish, uh, hutch uh, a great uh next few days as they bask in the in the glow of being drafted into the western hockey league so uh little hutch mama hutch and uh papa hutch uh we can't wait to uh, chat with you guys next week uh for kevin woodley i'm darren millard uh thanks to connor Lacouvet and as well uh source for sports story the hockey shop thehockeyshop.com and sense arena appreciate uh your support and yours as well uh the listeners uh for just uh, traveling along on this journey with us. Uh, we'll talk to you next week on In Goal Radio, the podcast.